This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Matthew chapter 6, go there in your Bible, and uh, we'll bring the worship teams back here in a little bit. Matthew chapter 6, go to verse number 19, and I'm going to jump right in for the sake of time. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus' words, and he's teaching people about money and where to put it. So he's about to show us, he's going to explain to us how to handle money. Now, you need to understand this about God. Jesus talked more about money in the Bible than he did about heaven. He talks so much about money throughout the scriptures, I think because he knew how close it is to our heart. So he gave us great instruction, great principles, great thoughts to live by so that money doesn't become our ruler. So we don't worship money, but we actually live free of the love of money. Remember, money is not evil, but the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. So God is... God is not against money. He, he gives it to us, but he actually wants us to worship him and not that. So watch what he says here in Matthew 6, verse 19. It says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, what should we do instead? Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust. They will never decay and they will never lose value. For your heart, we're going to land here in a moment. Watch 21. For your heart will always pursue what you value as treasure. Your heart is always, whatever you value, your heart, your money will follow after. So it's like when I started to date my wife and I saw Julia. Remember, Julia and I, about 11 years ago, we sat at a Thanksgiving table and we were getting reacquainted. I hadn't seen her in seven years. After seven years, when I came back to the Thanksgiving table, I looked across the table and said, dang, Julia done grown up. Somebody passed the potatoes. Let me get some of them yams in Jesus' name. Okay. So as soon as I valued my girlfriend, I pursued her. And whenever your heart is in a place, your money will follow after. So remember, your money is about a month or two behind your passions. Your money follows what you love. That's what Jesus is saying here. Read it again, 21. For your heart will always pursue what you value as treasure. 22, the eyes of your spirit will allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Verse 23, but if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? So Jesus is saying, when you fall in love with money, and money is your obsession, success is your obsession, your soul becomes so dark that the truth of Jesus cannot enter. So you get to such a place where you're like, all that truth, all that good, all that gospel, no thanks, I worship money. You ever get around people that live for money and obsess for money, you watch their soul is dark. But whenever you fall in love with God, all of a sudden the light of Jesus and the light of the gospel overwhelms. No, oh, I love this, 24. How could you, 
worship two gods at the same time. He's talking to L.A. people. What's he saying? You can't love the Clippers and the Lakers. You can't root for UCLA and USC. You cannot love the Chargers nor the Rams. Who am I preaching to right now? I felt the Holy Ghost. So stupid. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. You can't worship God and money. You're going to have to choose who is ruler, who calls the shots, who runs your heart. I always think if God has my heart, God has my money. But it's hard because sometimes we try and serve both. And so I got God and I've got the love of money. And pretty soon there's going to be division. Pretty soon you're going to have to make a decision because you can't love both God and money. I want to talk today around the idea. You can write down the title of today's message. It's called, It Feels Good to Be an Owner. And what I believe God is, is speaking to us today is that God wants to transfer you from being a renter in the house of God to being an owner in the house of God. There is a big difference between renting and owning. This, this, this weekend, my wife and I, we moved out of the house. We moved here four years ago. We rented this house for the last four years. We have moved out because now we own a home. Bless God in Jesus name. Hallelujah. But we are no longer renters. We are, we are owners. It's amazing the mentality of a renter. For the last four years, we didn't paint much. We didn't make improvements. In fact, when there was something wrong with the plumbing to the termites, to any situation, we called the owner. We treated it like it was a rental property. But now when I own something, the house that I own, I have responsibility. I have buy-in. I, I, I take care of it gladly. I want to talk today. It feels good to be an owner in the house of God on heart for the house. That we, we have a, so much a heart for the house of God that we don't just have some, some rental insurance here. No, we, we have owner insurance. We own the house of God. You know, I want to believe that God will speak to us and encourage us today. Go ahead and bow your heads and let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you today that you're wonderful, you're kind, you're loving. Lord, we are acknowledging today you are the source of everything we have. You have given us our time. You've given us our talent. You have given us all the treasure. And so, Lord, it's not begrudgingly. It's gladly that we offer to you our heart for the house. And Lord, we don't just offer you an offering, but Lord, hear us today. We want to be owners in the house of God. We want to learn what it means to build church like the way that you have envisioned us to build your house. We thank you for Zoe. We ask that you'd use us, Lord, that you would send the message of the good news of Jesus across the world through what happens here in LA. We thank you for the opportunity to be generous. We love you more than anything else. And God, we are declaring on Heart for the House Sunday that we have a heart for the Lakers like you do. Let them win the NBA championship this year in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, come on, Zoe, let's clap together. We believe in the power of prayer. We're going to pray it every week in Jesus' name. And I believe in miracles. Anybody else? Okay. Go LeBron. Okay. Um, by show of hands, have you ever, have you ever rented a car? 
Let me just see your hand. Is somebody like, do I put my hand up all the way? Brent, let me see your hand. Yeah, it's, it's so fun. I love renting a car. Before we moved to Los Angeles, we used to fly down from Seattle. Like we're going to go to Disneyland. And you know, you land here. You get on the bus. You show up at Enterprise. You wait in the long line. You got your, you got your license and your insurance ready. You get to the front. And I love renting a car because, you, you know, you choose like a mid-sized sedan. And you go out to le- like letter J. You're in J. So you show up in J. You're like walking around. Like uh, you're only selection is like between a Kia Sorento and a Hyundai, but like me and Julia like run up the aisle like which one's going to be the best, huh? What, what should we choose this time? Like we, we choose some mid-sized car and we peel out of the parking lot. I love driving a rental car. Anybody else? You drive that, ba- you drive it like you stole it. You know what I'm saying? You drive that, you run that thing hard. Now the key is only going 35, but it feels good. You know what I'm saying? Like you can drop the thing all the way down. It's not moving. It's not going anywhere. The reason why I can drive it like a bat out of hell is because it's not mine. This is awesome. This is another company's vehicle that I get to drive for 24 hours. I am going to drive this thing as hard as I can. So you're just dri- you're whipping around the freeway. You just it, It's amazing the difference between driving a rental car and your own car. You drive your own car like this. You park your car when you come up and you parallel parking. You're really careful of the curb and you don't want to mess up your rims. If you have them, like six people in the church have rims. Like if you have them, you just, you're just very careful. Some of you got that joke. But you're very careful with what you, what you own. Like I have to admit, for four years we rented this house. And when we were moving out, I was thinking, I'm so glad that I did not invest an exuberant amount of money in this rental property because my heart is actually in what I own. My heart is actually in what is mine, what I take ownership in. I want to tell you when it comes to church, God is not asking you to be a renter in the house of God. He's calling you to be an owner in the house of God. I love Zoe because they clap. Anytime something makes sense, they're like, makes sense. When you're a renter at church, it's everybody else's problem. You go by the kids, you're like, oh, the kids is bad. The welcome team, they didn't greet you right. Coffee tastes bad. The other location is somebody else's responsibility to pay for it. But when you're an owner in the house of God, when you own the house, everything becomes your responsibility. It's not up to the pastors. It's not up to the ZST. But you say, my heart is in this house. I'm not a renter here. I'm pursuing this because I feel like this is where my treasure is. This is where my heart is. In fact, write down number one today. Whatever you value, you pursue. So if you value church, if you value the house of God, then you pursue the house of God. If you value your career, many people have moved from all over to Los Angeles, and what are they doing? They're pursuing their career, whether it be making film or acting or singing, a business startup. You're pursuing what you value. Whatever you place high value on, you run after that thing. I wonder if you place a high value on the house of God. Watch here, Matthew 6, 21. Go back to these scriptures. Watch what he says. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. You are chasing right now whatever you deem as important. By the way, if you're ever wondering, 
what is important to me? All you have to do, look at where you spend your time and your money. It will reveal what you treasure. Where I spend my time and where I spend my money shows me what is important to me. So obviously what is important to me in my life is coffee and sports center. That's where I spend my time and it's where I spend my money. Who am I preaching to right now? Because whatever you invest into, whatever you're pursuing, that's what you say, I value. So I value this relationship. I value this community. I value my career. I value my family. If I value church, I'm pursuing it. I'm trying to make it better. I'm trying to make it beautiful. By the way, I think that God today is looking down on our church and he's actually saying, come on. That's what I envisioned. That's what was in my heart. That's what I saw. I saw that kind of love. I saw that kind of generosity. I saw that kind of commitment. I saw that kind of compassion. I see that kind of faith. That's the kind of worship. I'm talking. That's the kind of clap I like. Come on, somebody, thank God today. Come on, Valley, I want to hear you. Come on, that's what God envisioned in his heart. I don't think God's like, you know what I want? I want a really wimpy church. I want a church that's weak, you know? I want a church that has zero life, zero faith. I want a church where people go, oh, ew, 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 ew. I think God, church is not our idea. Church is God's idea. He said, what does he say? Don't, I hate this word because I just dealt with it. Don't hoard earthly possession. I'm cleaning up my house. We moved down here four years ago with a pod from Seattle. And now four years later, I'm like, are we hoarders? Is, did someone move a lot of stuff into my house without telling me? Why are we hoarding? Like, I'm just, I want to get rid of it all. He's saying don't hoard earthly treasure where things like moth and rust and all kinds of stuff could take. No, store up heavenly treasure. Store up stuff that can't be stolen away. Come on, that nothing on earth, no disaster, no hurricane, no tornado, no person can steal. Come on, I'm investing into God's work. I'm investing into Iraq and Texas. Come on, somebody thank God today. I'm investing into the work of the Lord. No man can take away what I'm given today. Nothing I face. I'm not hoarding for myself. I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm pursuing what I value and I value the house of the Lord. Watch what he says in 23. Well, I love this. Matthew 6, 23. Put it up on there in the screens and I'm going to put my passcode in my iPad so it comes back up. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness with you if the light of truth cannot enter? What Jesus is saying, he says, it's really hard. It's going to be really hard for me to get through to you and to get your attention if you are idolizing and worshiping possession. Now, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what I want? I just want to fall in love with money. Just, I think it would be awesome. Like if I just live for like cars and stuff, it would just be so cool. No one ever says that. But as a result of culture, you and I can, it's just amazing. I can fall so victim to this. I love you, God, but 
I also want all of this. And so we can get caught in the crosshairs of teetering and vacillating between the love of both. He's saying, be careful, because when you get here, what I have to say to you, my love, my grace, my forgiveness will be blocked because there's darkness. So he's saying, don't pursue this. I'll, remember, in the same chapter is when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is, you put me first, I'll take care of your life. You pursue me as the highest reward, and I will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. But if you try and generate this, and you try and make this happen, darkness will enter, and I'll have a hard time getting my message through to you. See the difference? So I actually have to say, Lord, because of don't hoard earthly, but store up treasure, then the greatest way that God asks us to accomplish this is by putting my heart in his house. Write down number two. My heart is in his house. You got to just make that as a declaration. Write it down. Maybe put it as your screensaver on your phone. My heart is in his house. When I say that, I'm not asking you to put your heart in Zoe Church. Because maybe God would ask you to move back to Dallas or you got to go to Miami, move to Seattle, go over to New York, wherever you may be. The goal is not to get you to fall in love with Zoe. The goal is to get you to fall in love with the, with the house of God. That wherever you go, you say, I'm planted in the house. I'm going to go to church. Wherever I go, it's going to get my time. It's going to get my talent. It's going to get my treasure. Because it's not one church. I'm just in love with his church. Come on, Zoe, make a commitment to the Lord. I'm in love with the house of God. Oh, I love this. Psalm 92. Watch as it comes on the screen. Psalm 92. The righteous flourish like palm trees from Palm Springs and grow like cedars in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. You watch someone that gets planted in the house of God, you watch their life, it'll flourish. Your life will take off. The more you get planted, the more you grow. The further your roots go down deep, the more you grow. Because the Bible is not false. The Bible, God is not a liar. So God says those that are planted in the house, they flourish. Wherever you go, you should be in love with the house of God. Oh, I love this next one. Look at Psalm 27. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the what? Oh, I love the house. In Spanish, we say la casa. Like I know five Spanish words. In the house of the Lord. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Last one, just indulge me. Psalm 84, verse number 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What is that? saying my heart is in the house. Remember when David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I believe when you get to church, this should be the safest place that you come to. You come to the house of God. You should get built up in your faith. You should be encouraged. You should meet somebody. You might meet your spouse at Zoe Church. Hello, somebody. You might, you never know what could happen at Zoe. Get you a free coffee. Make a new friend. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I feel like encouraging somebody. All the single people are like, oh, say it again. Say it again. It's God. It's God. It's God. Like, what is this? I don't even know. It's God. 
Thanks, Nico. There's something about just saying my heart is in his house. You put a, you put a priority on God's house. It'll bring, a, it'll bring a blessing to your house. You take care of his house, God will always take care of your house. Better is one day. Just take me to church. Get me to the house of God. You ever come into church funky? Come into church angry, bad week, going through stuff. You leave. Right? Because there's something about the house of God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O oh Lord? Something about having a heart for his house. Amen. Saying, I'm planted right here. You, know, you want to know why I have a heart for his house? It's because he has a heart for his house. Yeah. So by the way, I'm an owner, but I'm, I'm only a part owner. Because it's his house. Look at Matthew 16. Watch what Jesus says. He's talking to Peter. I give you the name Peter, a stone. Then this is the truth of who I am. It will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. My legislative assembly and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. What did he just say? He said, I'm going to build my church on the truth of who I am. So my house, the foundation of it, the cornerstone of it is not what you think is cute and coy. The foundation of it is the truth of who I am. And he said this, he said, I will build my church. So it's his church and he's building it. But who's he using to build it? He's using me and you. He's using our offering. He's using our time. He's using our talent. He's using our treasure. Anybody thankful today? Anybody feel blessed to be a part owner in that? I feel like clapping a little louder if that's it's all right. I'm a part owner in the house of God. This is exciting. My heart, and write down number three, my heart is to help make his house beautiful. Just making it beautiful. You ever get on Netflix and spend one hour trying to find something to watch on Netflix? Who am I preaching to right now? I wasted an hour. And I didn't watch one thing. How could you have such a catalog? And I don't want to watch one thing. But I was spending my hour watching, looking through. And I saw this one. I didn't watch it because that's not what you do on Netflix. You just skim. But it was like all about extravagant houses, like beautiful houses. And I, I wonder if you and I realize this is the difference between a renter and an owner. That it's not some, nobody else is coming. It's just us. That it's not somebody else's responsibility to make the house of God extravagant. It's our privilege to make it beautiful. Like no one else is building it but you and I. We're the builders. We're the owners. We're not renters. We're owners in the house. 
And I think church should be radiant. I think church should be beautiful. I think church should be glorious. I think church should be filled with power. I think it should be filled with praise. I think the anointing of God should be here. I think, I think there should be all kinds of celebration, all kinds of festivity. Come on, let's clap right now. Come on, Valley, let's make some noise and thank God. Church should be beautiful. It should be gorgeous. What, what makes what makes church stunning? Is it lights? Is it a building? Is it a parking team? What makes church stunning is generosity. Yeah. What, makes it, what makes us today watch the video and go, oh, is the fact that your generosity has gone around the world. That's, it's the generosity of love, the generosity of relationship, the generosity of acceptance, the generosity of embracing people that are going through hard times, that are going through literally addiction and struggle, and they're going through divorce. And you and I say, we'll offer you, come to my house, be a part of my team. I want to live life with you. You're not going to do this on your own. Church is awesome because of generosity. Oh, just what? 2 Corinthians 9, you can't make this stuff up. This is the Bible. Watch Paul. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 9. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your, where? Heart. It's got to be from your heart. You might write a check. You might give on push, but it's from our heart. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves a hilarious generosity. Amen. Like God loves when we give, we're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even have this much. Okay. <laughs> Hard for the house <laughs> on credit. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. God's like, that's what I'm talking about. God loves a cheerful, a hilarious giver. In other words, God's not, like you give like this. Like, you ever ask somebody for a piece of gum? And they look around like they're on some CIA mission? They're like, Hold on, you want orbits? Yeah, hold on. Like, is this cocaine? Like, why did you give it to me like that? Like, that's weird. No, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a hilarious giver. Yes, I just said that. Yes, I did. I said it. We started our church in a club. Duh. You mad, bro? Verse 8. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every... This is really important. I want you to hear verse 8. Let me just read this with a little bit of emphasis. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough in everything. Amen. He furthers. Every moment and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. So God, when you give, he's like, I'm going to make sure you're, you're taken care of, not with enough, but you have more than enough. In every way possible, every category. God does not care about one category of your life and ignore another. 
God cares about you relationally, emotionally, physically, financially. There's not an area of your life he's not concerned with. So he says, when you give, I'll bless you in every area of your life. When you give, it's not coming back to you in money. It's coming back to you in ways you can't even quantify. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him. Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. I love God's word. Because I can... I can build my family on the truth of who God is. So what I'm saying is my heart is in this house and my heart is not just I own it, I own it, I own it, I own it, I pay the, I pay the bill, pay the mortgage, I own it. I own it. No, I want my, the house of God to be beautiful. And I can do this. Remember, God never asks you to do anything he doesn't do first. So anything that God asks you to do, he first, he first displays, he first sets the example. So he says, put your heart in my house because my heart is in this house. God says things like this. Be holy because I'm holy. Whatever he calls you to do, he first steps into it first. So God asks you to make his house beautiful because right now he's making your life beautiful. Watch this, Philippians. Watch God's commitment to you. As you commit, commit to his house, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So in other words, I'm trying to build his house. He's trying to build my life. I'm committed to him, but he's more committed to me. And he is committed to building my life. To, so what? So I look like I'm in shambles. I look like I'm barely just surviving. No, God's building me up in a holy faith. God's building me up so I can do his calling. God's building me up so I can walk the walk, talk the talk, and do what he's put in my heart. Come on, let's thank God together. It's not just that I work for him, but he doesn't work for me. This is a two. I'm just responding. Worship team, come join me. Worship team at the valley, you come join us. But right down the last thought, I love this. So my heart is in this house, and my heart is to make it beautiful. Right down the last thought, my heart is set. That's great, my heart is set, and the reason why I say that is because isn't it amazing how fast your heart can get unset? Like, this, this is awesome. Jeremiah talks about the heart, and watch what he says here. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful. Somebody say amen to that. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is beyond cure. Who can understand the heart? Have you ever noticed that your heart two years ago was in one thing, and now today it's in another? And Jeremiah accurately describes our hearts. The heart is deceitful. Who can even cure our hearts? Our heart betrays us. And we can say, my heart is in this thing and my heart is to do this. You ever notice the gap between your motives and your actions? My intention was this, but I acted in this. That's the, gap in every, that's the gap in my life. How about yours? This is who I want to be. This is who I am. This is who I say I am. This is who I really am. So we have to today, I'm, please, 
I'm really not trying to give you a pep talk. And I'm really not trying to, this is not about money if I'm being honest. God has enough money. And God can speak to anybody about money. It's not about money. It's about putting your heart not on earthly treasure, but on kingdom treasure. It's about you saying, I'm not going to serve money. I'm going to serve God. And you got to set your heart today. And here's why. Because the heart is fickle. And the heart is deceitful. And the heart... I'm shocked. I'm 39. I have four chest hair. I have four kids. <laughs> it's good, right? Like the guy that says something funny but acts like it wasn't. Like, I have to admit, it came to my head and I was like, are we going to check it down? No, I'm going to absolutely say it. Absolutely going to say that one's very good. Very good. I almost threw in credit cards, but anyway. So let's just keep, let's talk, let's talk about Jesus. talking about my heart yeah how's your heart kidding okay but um I think that um the reality is for all of us is that we can say God my heart is to do this my intention is to do this but then we get to real life like it's really easy on Sunday right it's like you're in church it's like oh God I love you like Tuesday, Thursday, Friday night. What does faith look like? Not on a Sunday, but during the week. God's not trying to win. He's definitely not trying to get you to give more. That's not his goal. It, opposite. God's actually trying to get you to receive more. Because what did he say? If you fall in love with money, I can't give my message to you and you won't receive it. So what's more important to me is that you don't fall in love with money because then I could actually have access to your ear and I could tell you how much I love you and how committed I am to you and what I want to do with you and the plans I have for you. And so please don't fall in love with this because I have so much to say to you. So we have to, please. It's a very sober moment. Say, Lord, I set my heart on the things above. I give you my life. What would be a beautiful offering on Heart for the House? A dollar amount or your life? I think he's after our lives, isn't he? It's on a heart for the house. Let's have a heart for God. Let's have a heart to follow him and know him, walk with him, serve him, and just, just say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I refuse to live my life as a renter. I'm going to own the things that you've put in my possession. I'm going to own the house that you're building. Amen. The house that you're building. Amen. The house that you're building. Amen. 